0: This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, April 24th. The Our picky eater is my partner edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make a different show. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I am dad to Noah, who is five and a half, and Ami, who's two and a half. We live in Detroit.
1: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles.
0: Today on the show, we have a mealtime dilemma. What do you do when your partner's pickiness is causing headaches for the whole family at dinner? Our listener is fed up at his increasing inflexibility and worries it's going to affect their kid. We will also be sharing some recommendations and dipping into our mailbag to hear what you have to say about the advice we give.
3: All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York
2: and all across the nation.
3: And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life.
1: And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet.
3: Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.
0: But let's start today with our question Dear Mom and Dad, I am the quote meal person in our house. If I don't cook, plan, and otherwise arrange meals, There will be no meals. I love to cook, so I don't have an issue with it. The problem is with my husband's food preferences. We have been married 15 years. He has always had certain preferences, and I largely accepted them from the beginning, even when they were things that I enjoyed eating. I have to keep mental track of what he doesn't like. Anything spicy, any seafood product, pork, but bacon is okay, steaks or other, quote, big slabs of meat, mushrooms, cilantro, cooked tomato, coconut, curry, Brussels sprouts, raw onion, cabbage, Asian-style food, cold quinoa. The list goes on, and he continues to add to it. He does not like rice or pasta, but will tolerate it on a limited basis. In the past few years, however, he has become increasingly rigid with what he will eat. It has become increasingly difficult to plan meals because if I serve something he doesn't like, he will gripe and not eat it. This is completely contrary to how I was raised and how I behave. I'm willing to eat something that is not my favorite for a meal, if that was what was prepared, and it's not disgusting to me. Just something that isn't my preference. I've tried talking to him about this, but he makes me feel like I'm not being understanding or reasonable. Am I crazy? Is this normal? I feel like I'm going insane and just missing something here. I'm also concerned because we have a kindergartner who has become increasingly rigid in what she will eat at the table, and who echoes him every time he complains. Help! Signed, Mealtime Meltdown.
1: Nope. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No.
0: <laughs> who doesn't first of all who doesn't like pasta? But go go <laughs> this ahead.
1: Is, this is unreason What does he even eat when you go out? What is what is left? What is left bacon, here? Bacon okay. and raw tomatoes. You are not a short order cook. It is not your job to prepare food that he perf- like is his personal preference. Every day. I I don't, like, this is probably one of many jobs you have. I I totally get it. Jeff is our meal person. There are general things, allergies, things you really can't stomach. This list is insane. It is insane. I do not know what you cook. It sounds like you've tried to talk about it, but it's, I think you need to sit down and basically say, I am in charge of this. This has become a situation that is now completely not manageable. It is influencing our child. You may participate in the meal planning and cooking process, right? So we can make a meal plan together. You can find recipes like I'm happy to cook. I'm happy to shop, whatever that looks like to you. But the emotional work that is going in here is unacceptable, and the fact that then he won't even eat what's prepared. So I think he can participate in it and then you can you can try to make that work. But if he doesn't participate, you should make the meal plan, make the food, and if he doesn't want to eat it, he can make something else. And I know that seems mean, but I just not it talking. just seems to me that now this really important part of your day eating is completely revolving around one singular person who's not participating in it. That to me is crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I just <laughs> so he need, he gets to either participate or shut up and eat. In my opinion,
2: you may be the meal person because perhaps you're the better cook. Um, I don't know if it's just because you're the woman and it just fell on your shoulders, but your husband needs to start cooking meals. You know, if he's unwilling to eat what you prepare, he has to start cooking meals. You can't bow to those restrictions every single day and it's influencing your child you know because not only is he not cooking and participating he's complaining in front of your child about your cooking that's so disrespectful that's so disrespectful you're the one taking the time to prepare all the meals but he's complaining about it in front of your child who's now starting to do the same thing
0: that's how kids learn entitlement Mm -hmm. Uh, and i mean one of the biggest Sean does among many here is that he has taken this thing that you love cooking and made it something that is that is uh you know stressful stress inducing this is crazy this is you are not crazy um (laughs) no to answer your question no you are not crazy no this is not normal dude's got to get in the kitchen and do it himself. If he's going to keep complaining, this is, this is just completely unacceptable. He needs to take some accountability for it. You can, you can help him to a certain degree, but this isn't, this isn't his uh, peculiar um, habits do not rest solely on you to decipher, um, especially considering that they are constantly changing and evolving and, and, and growing.
1: I, I do have a couple of solutions To say that I still do not believe that this should be something that you have to fix, but should you be looking for solutions, here are some ideas. Um, Mm -hmm. Since Jeff is the major cook in our house, he had us all make a list of our Uh, six favorite things that uh, we like and um, so every member of the house kind of submitted these and he has this like they are quick and easy right he picked of those which are super easy to make Um, and that leads to some really good options that we all like or tolerate essentially which I think helps take some of the mental load off too when he's meal planning just that hey there are these that I can pick from right here's 20 or so meals that are pretty easy to make he also has focused on like making sure that i know how to make those that my kids know how to make those right so that we can all help produce those i think also i'm um, getting your kindergartner involved in cooking it may be so important in your house because there's already been kind of a food thing The other thing I want to suggest is any meals that are, like, put together at the end, so salads, bowls, all those sort of things, where you can include some of the foods that you really like, Mm -hmm. quinoa, beans, uh, but everyone is putting together their own meal at the end of the day uh, may be really helpful. Uh, I mean, there's a million of those in any, you know— genre. So put this stuff together. If you want to put yours over rice, but he doesn't eat rice, easy enough. I have made this food. You do what you want with it. If you want to get out a tortilla and put all this stuff in there, fine. Um, But I have made all the pieces of a meal. I just know when we do large family gatherings or have people over, that is, I tend to go to that because then I don't really have to worry about who's going to eat what. It's like if someone doesn't eat onions and they don't have to put onions on their thing. Part of the issue is definitely that you are the sole Sole meal person, um, so the the more you can offload some of that, even to to your kid, might be helpful.
0: Yeah, and like if your husband is working crazy hours and just literally doesn't have time during the week to cook, that's a that's a legit excuse. However, he can do some meal planning on his day off. It's just mm-hmm. like make a big pot of whatever the hell it is that he does eat, and just like dole that out to himself during the week.
1: I mean, you can have a date night and look at cookbooks together. Like I I. Just think that this is not sustainable. At all. It's not nice. It's not nice. It's also not nice. Yeah. Please tell me he does the
2: dishes. Please. Write back and tell us he does the dishes. Yes. And I really do hope that you talk about him complaining about your cooking or, you know, him not being pleased with the food presented to him in front of your child. Like, that needs to be called out. That is all wrong you're teaching your child to have unrealistic expectations of the world around them and you know if there's anything that he ever needs to say that's critical of you it needs to be in private
0: yeah I mean this sounds like a kind of caricature of like a 1950s domestic situation where a husband comes home and like expects to be like waited on as if he's at a restaurant which is not it's just not right I hope that you have expressed to him how this is making you feel. Um, And you you probably have, but in in the event that you haven't, like make it very clear that this is, he's taking the joy out of cooking. Well, we hope you hang in there, mealtime meltdown. Please let us know if things get better. And uh, we love updates. We always love updates. To the rest of our listeners, do you have any helpful tips or tricks to share? Email us at momanddad.com at Slate.com, or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That's 646-357-9318. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. See you back here in a second.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Quote today at progressive.com to try the name your price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Let's move on to recommendations. Jamila, what have you got for us this week?
2: I have a recommendation that came from a listener, and I can't find the email where they sent it, so I apologize for not giving you a proper shout-out, but when I professed my love for Flamin' Hot Cheetos, one of you all wrote in and said, you should try the lemon ones. Limon, 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 I guess, and they're like lemon lime flaming Hot Cheetos, mm. and they're so good. Oh my God, I will never eat them again. <laughs> They're better than the original ones. But you'll ones. never eat them again. No, I'm, like, trying to cut get this flaming Hot Cheeto monkey off my back. So, it's bad. It's gotten bad. So, I do not intend to buy anymore. But I want you all to have them. They're absolutely delicious. <laughs> so, they're, like, flaming Hot, but with... Is, is plus, the hint of Flamin lemon hot plus at, the citrus? End? It,
1: at the Lemon beginning? in
2: line. It's kind of like an aftertaste. It's I don't know how to describe it. It's delicious. Okay, found the email. It was Salman Magal they're so good thank you are they new never they're i think in the past year or so like i I think they're relatively new um i never would have tried them so thank you
1: did naima try them because she was like the gateway to the flame yeah she
2: (laughs) got mad because i ate them all like she i destroyed them but she did get to have some (laughs) before i destroyed them
0: i'm very intrigued thank you for that elizabeth what about you
1: Okay, so I am recommending the Self-Compassion Workbook for Kids. Um, this is one of those workbooks full of mindfulness activities. I always try to include something like this in our in our homeschool routine and found this book, and we've really been loving it. The kids have actually been doing it during that morning time when we're listening to the music. Uh, they pull it out. It has all kinds of... Fun little activities that are geared at really learning to love yourself, which I think is kind of fun. A lot of the other ones I've done have been more on being a good friend or being a good brother. And this one is really finding things you love about yourself and learning to listen to that inner voice. So it's a very cute, fun workbook that you can do with your kids, but older kids can definitely uh, work on it on their own. And it's called the Self-Compassion Workbook for Kids.
0: Hmm. Great. I am going to recommend a big old novel that I am uh, almost done with. Have either of you read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? No. Mm -mm. It's by the author Gabrielle Zevin. And I haven't read a big novel like this in a while. It is so great. It is about these two friends who meet when they're like 12 or 13. um, And then they meet up again in college and go on to create like some iconic video games of in the early aughts it's mm. fiction. Um, but I had, I've, I've never read fiction that has written so precisely and beautifully um, about gaming. I I, I've ne- I was never much of a gamer, but like video games and um, like games as metaphors for how we live are strewn throughout this book. And it's, it's just really good. And then it's also about like uh creative partnership and, and what that looks like and it's fantastic. She also wrote some YA books that my niece really likes, such, a, such an incredible author, but this one came out last year and uh, it's I know it's a New York Times bestseller and like a, a bunch of people I know have read it. It's, it's excellent even if you are like me and don't care about video game design. It actually helped me understand that world um, in a much deeper way. So uh, two thumbs up for sure. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin.
1: Her name sounded familiar. So I was clicking around and I think it's from the YA novels. But on her website is a a video game inspired by the book you can go play. That's cool. (laughs) So that's cool. Nice. I have not hit start game yet because we're doing this. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) as soon as we're done. (laughs) Finally, it's time to open our mailbag. We first have some advice that came from last Monday's episode on gentle parenting. I love the show and have been listening since years before I had my own kids. Two boys, now six months, and two and a half. I have a recommendation for anyone needing help with gentle parenting. We took the Big Little Feelings Toddler Stage course and it was life-changing. Their strategies, yes, no, yes, keeping your promises, using a timer, etc., have reduced our toddlers' tantrums and shortened them when they do happen. I've never written in before, but I feel so strongly that everyone with toddlers should take this course.
1: Uh, Big Little Feelings is one of my like favorite Instagram accounts, and in fact, we are always working to try to get them on the show. <laughs> so you guys reach uh-huh. out, tell them to come on. Um, but they have a wonderful Instagram and website that has lots of good tips if you're trying to figure out kind of what this course is all about.
0: So it's an online course?
1: They have like courses that they offer, yeah, that... that um, teach some of their principles that are sort of like understanding why toddlers throw their tantrums and how Mm -hmm. to be more empathetic in, in listening to toddler tantrums as a way of saying, Hey, something is wrong as opposed to, um, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I hate you.
0: Uh, that's, that's really interesting. I'm on the website now and it it looks like it's a $99 course, but, um, that's quite a glowing review. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for that. We also wanted to share this letter. Hi, mom and dad are fighting. I loved Zach's recommendation about letting your kid lead her museum experience. We regularly tell our four-year-old, all museums are museums for children. And we take that seriously. Though he did scornfully tell me the other day, a children's museum is one with something you can climb in it. We have a membership to a small museum near our building. So our son knows his way around and can take charge of his visit. And like Elizabeth, we've given lots of dirty looks to dirty look givers, but mainly we get positive interactions. The museum recently published a card game for engaging with the museum, and they have an online version that you could probably use in many art museums. It's available here at uh, phillipscollection.org slash self-guide slash phillipsplays. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. Oh, that's cool.
1: It looks really cool. It's cool. (laughs)
0: Well, thank you both for writing in. If you out there have any thoughts, advice, or questions of your own, please send them in. You can email us at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. Lastly, we wanted to tease a special crossover episode we've been working on with The Waves, Slate's podcast on gender and feminism. Jamila, can you tell us about it?
2: Yes, I'll be doing an episode of The Waves dedicated to a new book by Virginia Soul Smith, Friends of the Show. Um, it's called Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. Uh, I'm reading it now. It is a really fascinating look at how we talk to our children about weight, managing some of the internalized fat phobia and instinctive body shaming that we're carrying as parents as we try to raise children to have a healthier relationship to their bodies than many of us have and we're going to be talking about it i'm really looking forward to it
1: we've been getting so many questions on the topic too lately so yeah it's so well timed
0: stay tuned and keep those great comments and questions coming on this topic this episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening.